everyone. This is Dame is a Four-Letter Word. I'm LP. And I'm Lindsay. And today we're going to be telling you about Wild West Outlaws. Lindsay, who are you raising your glass to? I am raising my beer to Bell Star. And I'm raising my tumbler of Maker's Mark to Cora Hubbard. Okay, why don't we start with you? Okay, so... Fair warning, the tale I'm about to tell does sound more um, Coen Brothers than Peck and Paw, but when it comes to being an outlaw, a bank robbery is a bank robbery. <laughs> <laughs> so Cora started out life as the sixth of seven children in the Hubbard family in Missouri. Later, they moved to Kansas. Not a lot is known of her early life. Even her birth year seems to be arguable. But around the time that her family lived in Kansas, the Dalton gang was going on their raids, and it can be certain they caught Cora's attention. She claimed later that she'd ridden with them and had a gun with Bob Dalton's name carved on it, along with seven notches on the handle to back up her claim. Like, the press accounts later would repeat this like it was true, but most people think it wasn't. Um, In the account I read by Mark Duggan, he quoted a press report saying that the name had been carved on the gun by, quote, a boy before Cora got it. I don't know how they know that, but if that's true, <laughs> I wonder if she thought that she was buying the genuine item or if she just, like, wanted it as a prop. Because she was all about, like, hearing about outlaw legends, like, her whole life. Big fan of Bellstar, who Lindsay's going to be telling you about. So, wait, what was the seven, what did the seven notches represent? The amount of people that that cult had killed. Oh. Yeah. She spent her 20s living off and on with her family in Weir City, Kansas. Uh, There's a divorce certificate from April of 1897. She was either 27 or 28 at this time, depending on which account you read, between Cora and James Russell. I couldn't find any source claiming to know anything about him. Supposedly her husband before that point was a gambler and a horse racer, J.W. Bud Parker, who she'd been with in the 1890s. But the Joplin Globe at the time didn't seem to agree with that story saying, It has been ascertained that Cora Parker was never married to Parker, as has been claimed. It seems she should have been married to him, but neglected that formality. (laughs) I love that way of putting it. (laughs) Yeah. So most accounts I saw say that she assembled her gang on her husband Bud's farm from the two new hired men, John Sheets, 23, and Whit Tennyson, 32, along with two of her brothers, Al and Bill. Whit had shown up on the scene, claiming to have had experience at bank robbery, and her brother Bill, who'd spent some time in Pineville, where they'd wind up robbing the bank, spoiler, uh, drew up a layout of the town and the town's bank, which was the McDonald's County Bank. Someone arrived at the figure of fifty to 60000 for the amount of money that they thought would be kept inside, so what else could they do but decide to rob it? <laughs> Another version I read leaves Bud out of this entirely and just says that Cora was married to Sheets at this point, They had an Indian Territory ceremony. But in any case, Bud didn't participate in the robbery, and I kind of dig the version where Bud and Al backed out at the last minute. So Cora rode off with Sheets and Tennyson, yelling over her shoulder that she wasn't going to live with a damn coward. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an Anne and Bonnie move there, yeah? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) So yeah, the three of them, Sheets, Tennyson, and Cora, stayed outside of Pineville, Missouri on August 16, 1897. The next morning, Tennyson and Sheets rode in to see if it was all clear, and they saw no reason to postpone the robbery, and rode back to the camp to get Cora. They decided there'd be less chance of resistance if the two men went into the bank while Cora guarded the horses. That's right, she literally held their horses. I like to think of her as a Wild West version of the getaway driver. (laughs) (laughs) 
So she was dressed up in men's clothing. She had her hair cut short. And before her capture, she was taken by residents as an Indian boy rather than a woman. There was a version of uh, press account that kind of was really mean about her and then described her as a short, unattractive, and masculine-featured 28-year-old woman. Um, her close-cropped black hair was combed into a pompadour. She had a greasy complexion and a penchant for men's apparel. Mm. I don't know, man. It seemed like she'd collected a lot of marriages for someone <laughs> that they were deeming so unattractive. She must have had her charms. I, I guess so. Hey, she talked two two random guys into robbing a bank with her. <laughs> yeah. They, these so-called reporters didn't seem to have done that. So the two men went into the bank, and she guarded the horses outside of a stable of a man named Hooper. One version has a lad discovering her, but the other has both the owner, Hooper, and a friend of his, a man named Case, come out to ask her what exactly she was doing out there. But both agree on what she did next, which was to pull her rifle on them and tell them flatly that, there was no use getting excited at a time like this. <laughs> God, I always wanted to be able to say that kind of stuff in those kind of moments, but I know I wouldn't. Like... Well, I mean, if you believe the, the stuff about her, it seems like she'd been planning this, like, her whole life. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the bank, Tennyson stood guard at the door while she took to the bank saying, We're here for the money and we want it damned quick. The bank president, Manning, the town treasurer, and the head cashier were all there. Sheets had the bank president, Manning, hold open the sack while the cashier filled it from the vaults. Three minutes later, they were back out the door. Their take, $592.23. $5 of it in pennies. <laughs> wow. $50,000 it was not. One source said that it would be a bit less than $16,000 in today's money. Um, huh. They... Yeah, not the same. <laughs> this was her lifelong plan. I know. They used the cashier shields and Manning as, well, um, human shields to keep the crowd from firing upon them because it was the Wild West and everyone had a rifle. And they rode out of town, one of them firing off their Winchester in a farewell salute. Hmm. Several posses in the general area were bitter from other ba recent bank robberies and they got roasted up and went after the bandits. They caught up with them at Butler Creek and a firefight began. Cora and Sheik got their guns shot out of their hands, and Sheik got hit with some buckshot. Tennyson was also wounded, and he and Cora and Sheets were separated. After Cora's horse was killed, Sheets put her on his horse, and the two of them got away. Tennyson also fled, but was caught the next day after reports got around town that a heavily armed man had eaten breakfast at the Widow Snails and paid for it in pennies. Oh, God. <laughs> I know, I love the details of it. You hear about the heavily armed man down at Widow Snails? My suspicious, you ask me. Yep. Threw down four pennies for that breakfast. Mm-hmm. Jingling when he walked. <laughs> he was caught shortly afterwards and totally sang to the authorities. Told them who his accomplices were, where the loot was, at least where he thought it was, most of it had fled with Sheets and Cora, and offered his full cooperation. Yeah. And Cora and Sheets separated at a railway station. He put her on a train back to her city with the plan of laying low for a few days before joining her. Neither of them at this point knowing that Tennyson had been caught. When Cora got back to her dad's house, she changed back to women's clothing and buried her share of the loot in a few chunks under the pepper hill, under the potato patch, and so in another spot in the garden. Because that's what you do after you rob a bank. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I have a backyard in a garden. Good to know. 
She was seriously there hours before the lawmen showed up. She still showed no fear in one account when she saw them draw their guns on her. She raised her hands, like a child at play, putting up its hands before a toy pistol. <laughs> but as the lawmen hustled her and her brother Bill back to Missouri for a trial, she also talked to the cops and the press, who loved her, calling her the second Bell Star. Oh. Um, they also compared her to Kate Bender, which if we ever get to her, she was mm, real piece of work. Total serial killer. Anyway. Total serial killer. So they asked, they asked uh, Cora if she was nervous. She told them, no, I felt as though I could have held up the whole damn town alone. <laughs> when they asked her why her brother, shockingly, was so sulky and silent upon being dragged to a different state for a bank robbery he wasn't even at, she told them, well, he won't drink beer because of being a hard-shell Baptist. <laughs> Meanwhile, the sheriff back at Weir City was digging up the garden and finding more and more of the loot. The question of just where the rest had gone was answered when Sheets drove up at the Hubbard family farm in a brand new horse and buggy. Apparently, he hadn't heard that Cora had been arrested and wanted to whisk her away in style. Both he and Cora's father were arrested and brought to Missouri. I guess the powers of the press were different in those days, because even while in jail, Sheets got jolly on beer while he was being interviewed. <laughs> and then there's all these great photos. Imagine this happening today. They have the three of them posed holding up Winchesters outside the jail. <laughs> Couldn't imagine yeah. being able to talk law officials to staging these photos now, even though I'm just presuming that they made sure the guns weren't loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and Sam, Cora's, who's Cora's father, were both released for lack of evidence. And the three that actually robbed the bank were put on trial. Uh, they all pled guilty and were sentenced in January of 1898. Corin Sheets both got 12 years, while Tennyson only got 10. One source says Tennyson only got 10 because the court felt bad for him being a recent widower. And another says it's because he was their stool pigeon. Tennyson got out in 1905, Sheets in 1906, and Cora was pardoned and sent out New Year's Day 1905. So she served about seven years. Hmm. It's not known what happened to her after that. The prison records said she'd been a good seamstress while in the clink and had been planning to seek employment at that. She doesn't show up in any other court or prison records after that, so it's likely she didn't turn back to bank robbery or she else, or else she stopped really sucking at the getaway part. Hmm. She may not have gotten away with the money, but in another way, she got what she wanted. To be known as an outlaw, pose with that Winchester, and charm the press and public, just like Bonnie Parker would do some decades later. Keep in mind, though her career at robbery was short and sort of undistinguished, most of my sources agree that Cora Hubbard was one of very few female bank robbers of the Old West, so give her a little credit. Yeah, with a lot of these ladies that I was researching before I settled on Bell Star, either you don't know anything or... I don't know, Pearl Hart became, she, like, got married. They probably, like, maybe she, like, lived on a ranch or something. What do you think happened to Cora Hubbard? I mean, she had her thrills. She spent seven years in jail, which probably isn't much fun for anybody. I'm yeah. sure the I was a total badass thing probably wore off after the first two or three. Yeah. Bad brother probably don't want to speak to me again. Any of my mm. husbands probably aren't all that happy with me right now. Yeah. Clearly, I'm not all that good at bank robbing, so... <laughs> like the movie Quick Change. Oh my god, it totally is! Because there's the girl, and then there's the... It's totally like Quick Change! They can rob the bank, but they can't get away. <laughs> you can rob the bank, but you can't get away. Put down the pennies. There are those who laugh and not believe. 
Bellstar was one of many female outlaws of the wild American West, often called the Queen of the West, including Calamity Jane, though, Annie Oakley, and perhaps the lesser-known Pearl Hart, who I wanted to do. Um, she was the first of all bandits in the Arizona Territory to think of robbing stagecoaches. Uh, Bellstar also robbed stagecoaches, though. Her chief love was stealing horses. Uh, she loved stealing horses. Even when most of her other thieving activities had quieted down, at one point while she was settled with her husband and children in Oklahoma, she couldn't kick the urge to steal horses. She was arrested in 1883 along with her husband, Sam Starr, at the time, for horse theft. This was when Bell was, nick- Bell was nicknamed by the national newspapers as the petticoat terror of the plains. <laughs> Both her and hubby spent nine months in jail while their two sons, 10 and 13 years old at the time, were sent to live with friends. Sam did heavy labor in prison while Bell managed to charm the warden and his wife, eventually becoming friends with them and getting early release. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> this was often the case when she was arrested. She was a, a charming gal. Um, before all that, though, she was born Myra Bell Shirley in Carthage, Montana, February 5th, 1848, to John Shirley and Eliza Hatfield. Her father was a wealthy innkeeper, and her mother had come from the famous Hatfield family. In the Hatfields and McCoys? Yes. One of half of the legendary Hatfield-McCoy family blood feud. Um, the Hatfields had been a famous logging family in Virginia, headed up by their infamous patriarch, William Anderson Hatfield, a.k.a. Devilons, who'd both founded the Church of Christ in West Virginia and formed a guerrilla Confederate militia during the Civil War called the Logan Wildcats. So in 1865, when Asa Harmon McCoy of the Union Army was murdered, the Unionist McCoy family blamed Devilons, Hatfield, and the Hatfields in general, despite the fact that Devil hadn't been anywhere near where the killing had taken place. But the feud was on anyway and continued for years and a whole bunch died on both sides. That's just uh, but, with blood feuds, man. Yeah. Once they start. Okay. But Belle's mother had apparently, she'd fled the Kentucky, Virginia area where the Hatfields and McCoys resided and she'd fled all the fighting and had settled in Carthage, Montana with her new husband and family. Carthage, Montana, uh, Mo- Montana uh, <laughs> a city which, incidentally, was burned to the ground by Confederate guerrillas in 1864. Jesus. Luckily, just months before the burning, the whole of Bell's family had moved to Sicine, Texas. Also around this time, in either 1860 or 1864, because old newspapers I read had different dates for this, um, Bell's brother was killed fighting for the Confederacy with red legs in the border wars in Sarcoxy, Montana. As a teenager, Bell had graduated 8th grade and had started working in Texas during the Civil War, reporting the movements of Union troops to the Confederates. Bell's family farm in Texas, known as the Shirley Farm, became notorious because it harbored Confederate outlaws such as Jesse and Frank James, as well as the Younger Brothers gangs, when they'd have to lay low after committing a robbery or kidnapping or some such other thing. Cole Younger and the James brothers had served together in a Confederate guerrilla army under the command of a dude called Quantrill of the Quantrill. Oh, that asshole. Yes. Um, But so here Bill's story is clearly much more than a case of random banditry or criminality. And kind of the context of her life and career becomes a bit more filled out. The Civil War definitely played a very decisive role in the outcome of her adult life as an outlaw. 
And she was an outlaw in every sense of that word, since she functioned outside the law that was often dictated and enforced by the side of the Civil War that her and her family and friends hadn't ever sympathized with in the first place, the Union Army. Her mother's family feuded with Unionists in the Hatfield-McCoy blood feud. Her brother died fighting them in Montana. And her outlaw friends, like the James and Younger brothers, had sent their had spent their youth fighting for Confederate causes as well. It seems like as far as all of these people were concerned, their actions weren't criminal, uh, since the laws they violated weren't really considered as legitimate by them. Which doesn't mean that they weren't also hurting Confederate uh, Confederates as well, and they certainly weren't Robin Hoods. But most mm-hmm. often, the people Belle fleeced during her lifelong outlaw career were those flourishing under the new unified system ah carpetbaggers yes Mm -hmm. uh anyway but bill had gotten to know cole younger as a teenager and by the time she was 18 she'd fallen in love with him and started working in the gang not before too long bell had blossomed into a mean hatchet faced outlaw yeah they called her hatchet face (laughs) <laughs> but here I have to say that the 1968 movie called The Bell Star Story with Elsa Martinelli playing Bell is fucking awful. Um, not Aww. least because Elsa, the actress, has got this baby soft pale skin and wears full eye makeup in every scene, uh, including the ones where she's supposed to be playing Bell dressed up like a man. Yeah. Yeah, that's they, a problem. Yeah, they cast like casting an all-American beauty like Martinelli to play a woman who was actually named Hatchet Face. Um, it's just idiotic. They should have cast Kathy Bates for that shit. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> Star was not infamous for her beauty. And uh, I think to imply that a woman Neither was would, Cora. Uh, I've yeah. seen pictures. Um, it's yeah. accurate. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and like in the movies, like to imply that a woman would need physical beauty as a weapon in a profession like outlaw is just mm-hmm. fucking silly. Nope. She did have her charms, though. While she fell in love with Cole at 18, she got his attention. And at 18, she had a wide-open career before her as an outlaw, except a slight hiccup where she got pregnant a few months just after joining the gang in 1867. She had a little girl who she named Pearl Younger, named Ro- and she nicknamed her Rosie. She later, a little girl later would grow up to be a marginally successful prostitute. Um, it didn't work out with Cole Younger, though. Belle always remembered her first love fondly, and even later in 1880 when she named her estate after him, calling it Younger's Bend. <laughs> but Little Pearl was most likely not Cole's daughter anyway, because there was an overlap there with Belle's second love, James Reed. Jim Reed was an ex-Confederate soldier outlaw, slash also a good friend of Jesse and Frank James. Belle married Reed in 1868, and out of all her three three husbands, my guess is she probably loved Reed, like, either third or second best, maybe. Um, She had a son called Ed with him in 1871, and Ed incidentally grew up to also have a taste for horse thievery. (laughs) Belle continued dressing as a man to rob stagecoaches and banks, and yep, you guessed it, lots of purdy horses. And over a time span of about more than 10 years, Belle had stolen... So much money in horses and created perhaps as many admirers as she had created peevish enemies and scorned lovers because despite being married to Reed, she still loved to have new lovers. <laughs> she was arrested multiple times, went to jail once during this time, but seduced her jailer and was sent free. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I call good behavior. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jim had tried farming at the beginning of their marriage, and Belle had also tried to settle, but there was nothing doing for either of them, and they both got caught up with a Cherokee Indian family called the Star Clan, who were known for thieving horses, cattle, and whiskey around what is now Oklahoma. This on top of dabbling in jobs with the James brothers and the younger Younger's brothers. In 1869, Jim Reed shot and killed the man he suspected to have killed his brother in a fight, which led to the whole family, Belle and the kids, all of them, having to flee back to Texas to flee the law. Some four years later there in Texas, Bill was named Bell. Keep on fucking calling her Bill. Bell was named an accomplice in the robbery of the super rich Creek Indian farmer Watt Grayson. They'd stolen thirty thousand dollars in coins and they were wanted really bad. Bell and Reed split up and hid out in different locations in Texas. Bell going back to her family homestead, the Shirley Farm. Though another version I read alleges that she actually dropped her kids off at the Shirley Farm and went to Dallas herself, where she spent the robbery money on Stetson hats and whiskey. I like that version. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back in Paris, Texas, where Jim Reed was hiding out, the deputy sheriff shot him dead after he'd robbed a stagecoach for 2500 bucks. When Belle found out, she left her children at the Shirley Farm and went to join the Cherokee Star Clan at Fort Smith alone, where she fell in love with Sam Starr, her second husband and I think her favorite husband of all. <laughs> uh, they were married in 1880 and settled on a thousand-acre stretch of tribal land along the Canadian River in Oklahoma. This is the estate that she named Younger's Bend. Uh, with the Star Clan, Belle established multiple illegal ventures. She organized and hustled for bootleggers and horse thieves and made loads of dough. Enough to pay bribes to get her most beloved fellow outlaws out of a scrape with the law on various occasions. <laughs> she became a bona fide bandit queen. It was during this time that she was arrested along with Sam Starr, though, for the horse thievery. And this is when she squirreled her way out of prison early again. Shortly after her prison release, when she was asked about her fugitive, uh, about her harboring of fugitives, Belle unapologetically answered to the Dallas reporter, I am a friend to any brave and gallant outlaw. <laughs> yeah. Like in, 18, in 1886, Belle robbed a post office dressed as a man and was caught but had to be released because there was a lack of evidence, which was not uncommon with Belle. Despite being arrested multiple times, she'd only been to jail two times due to a lack of evidence in all these cases. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find any quotes of what she'd say whenever she was arrested, though, because I imagine <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> one quote I did find was from 1889, where she said to a reporter uh, about why she was living uh, in the middle of nowhere, I guess, in Oklahoma. She said, So long have I been estranged from the society of women, whom I thoroughly detest, that I thought it would be irksome to be in their midst. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't think many ladies in those days would have been great bosom buddies for Belle. Yes. Um, Not all of them like to rob banks or steal horses. <laughs> yeah, so in either 1889 or 1886, sadly... Sam Starr was killed by one of his longtime arch rivals in a bar fight by uh, this guy named Frank West. Uh, they were at a friend's party, but Frank West was also shot by Starr, and both men died. Belle was not pleased, especially since Sam's death threatened her ability to remain on the Cherokee land. Uh, in came a man named Jim July. No. What? 
Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, it was. Who was 14 years Bell's junior, well educated, but most importantly, he was Cherokee. And tribal law stated that so long as she was married to a Cherokee, she was entitled to remain on Cherokee land. They married and stayed that way until February 3rd, 1889. Bell was just shy of 41 when she was shot in the face and back with a shotgun on her way to the general store. Nobody knows officially who did it, but speculation names this guy, Edgar Watson, who'd been quarreling with Belle over land he'd been renting from her. Other speculations say it was Jim July, her husband, or even her son, Ed, but this is unlikely. She's buried on her ranch, and her tombstone has a picture of her horse, a bell, a star, and this epitaph, which reads, She'd not for her the bitter tear, nor give the heart to vain regret. Tis but the casket that lies here, the gem that filled its sparkles yet. Wow, that's pretty cool. Thanks for listening to Dame is a Four-Letter Word. I'm Lindsay. And I'm LP. And listen next time when we're going to be talking about Dame Adventurers. Dame.